Good afternoon and welcome to the Why 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 with Joseph Candiati. My name is Joseph Candiati, obviously, and today we're going to talk about the army. So I go to reserve duty like three, four times a year, and there's a lot of talk about what it means to be in the army and what it is the army. But before I start, I'll give give you a short. Uh, intro to what it means to be in the army in Israel. Um, well, according to the law, when you're 18 years old, it is mandatory to be um, to go to the army. And when you're in the army, uh, usually you do three years. There's different programs, but the basic is three years for men and two years for women. It changes. Uh, it changed a little bit. Two and eight months for men. Two and four months for women. It changes every. Uh, it changes uh, from time to time, but um, so I went into the army and I went to a program. I was actually two years in the army. I became a tank commander, and um, and then after you're done, you are actually required to do reserve duty until the age of forty. And over the years, I've been doing close to thirty days a, a year close to a month every year I do reserve duty and surprisingly I was looking up the statistics of how many people go into reserve duty how many people are signed up to reserve duty and only 6% of Israelis are signed up to reserve duty what is even more surprising is that only 1% actually serve in reserve duty 1% out of all the Israelis serve in reserve duty. So there's a lot of talk about should what should the IDF be, should the Israeli Defense Force, should, be, should it be a, um, a mandatory or should it be a professional uh, army? Should we stop you know, making it mandatory for people to, uh, to uh, be drafted and make it a professional military or not and this question come came up uh, obviously before I went to the army and it comes up all the time um, and I would like to talk about this for a second because I think it's very important to address this this point especially knowing the fact that in reserve duty only 1% of the Israelis actually is serving in um, in reserve duty so What's so special about being in the reserve duty at this time? Um, right now, we are between the Holocaust Remembrance Day of Israel and the Memorial Day for the Soldiers and the um, Independence Day of Israel. This is the time of year in two weeks or in under a week to go through these three, three holidays. And these holidays are very, very intense in Israel. Um, very different than what happens in the United States. Um, in Israel, people take these days very seriously. Obviously, the Holocaust Day, Holocaust Day being the day that we remember the six million uh, Jews that were um, killed and butchered and burned in the during World War II. And then the week after, we have. Back to back, day to day, we have the uh, the Remembrance Day for the Israeli soldiers and 
for the terrorist victims, which is a day we remember all the tens of thousands of soldiers that died during wars, wars and Israeli citizens that have died in terrorist attacks. And going to serve in this, in, uh, during these days is very emotional because putting on the uniform, for me, during this time of year, is showing something much, much stronger than just being in an army and fighting. It shows the importance of being united around a goal, a cause, and that cause is Israel. It's the protection, the literal protection of Israel. And that thing I think, believe, I believe people don't always think about. They don't think about why they're here. So over the last few uh, years, I've heard a lot of people talk about turning the IDF into a professional army. But basically, they're talking like the United States Army, you can volunteer. Once you're in the army, it's a full-time job. You go in, you, uh, you get paid a full salary. Um, on the side note, I have to say that when you're serving the IDF as a, um, a recorder, when you're 18, when you're recording at 18 years old, you make approximately $200 a month. This is what we made in my time. Today they make a little more, like maybe $300 a month. But that's the salary that an Israeli soldier makes uh, when he is recruited. When you're in reserve, you basically get your salary. You're not, you don't get anything, any benefits. But in the American Army, when you go into the American Army, you're making a salary, and the, the more you uh, stay in the Army, the higher your salary you get. If you go to officer school, you get a higher salary, and so forth. And these, these comments about making Israeli in a, a professional um, army makes me very hesitant because I think it could cause a problem. When I was in the army, when I was a commander, and I met soldiers from all over Israel, from the north to the south, each one with a bit different background, each one with a different heritage, each one with a different culture, and each one in a different social economical level. And putting people from a wealthier families with, uh, with uh, soldiers with, that are not as wealthy families get people connected in a way um, that is very special in my eyes. Um, one of the reasons there's a uh, expression called Kuraituch. They try to make the Israeli army a place where everybody become, everybody assimilates. Because Israel, when it was founded in 1948, was a lot, a lot of different uh, nationalities coming together, and they used the army as a place, theoretically, to make everybody, um, to make everybody uh, united and make everybody quote unquote Israeli. Defining, defining what Israeli is, we'll talk about that at a different time. So, now, making a professional army basically says we are not um, here because of a cause. We're here because we need to defend ourselves. And that's our, that's our sole purpose, is to defend ourselves and fight wars. Where originally, the Israeli army is not a place that was meant for like just that. It was also meant for creating this nationality of what it means to be Israeli. Um, and that thing 
and that basically is changed over the years because first of all today the idea of the IDF is not only to is not to make everybody the same um, and make everybody Israeli is is to allow different cultures to be expressed within the Israeli society so if you're coming from a more Eastern uh, culture then you will be more uh, you'll, you'll have a place to express that. If you're coming from a Western culture, you have a place to expre express that. And we're not trying to make everybody the same. Um, so then, but at the end, on the, on the other hand, we see that the army is such a unifying point in the Israeli culture. When you meet an Israeli, one of the first questions you ask them is, where did you serve in the army? And then there's all this you know, oh, you were in the tank or oh, you were in the, in the paratroopers and everybody has their own ego of like, wow, I was here, I was that, I did here. I, and there's a lot of conversation about, around the Israel army. What happens when you turn a, an army into a professional army? <coughs> Basically what you're saying is, we're gonna take the strongest people, make them in soldiers, pay them a good salary, and tell them you're gonna fight wars for us. And then for some, in my, in my opinion, there will be basically a question in the air of what makes us an Israeli, if not the army? Like what will connect us with our pure uh, Israeli, with our peers in Israel, if not the army? So I'm sure they'll find other things, but I believe that it's such a strong point that everybody goes through the same... Um, the same um, the same frame and the same body and makes people united. I think it's a very special point. Now, people are gonna ask, well, there are so many people in Israel that don't serve in the army. For instance, there's a ultra-Orthodox community in Israel that have declared that they're that they don't go to the army and true a lot of them do not serve in the army well let's go back a little bit in history of time and understand why the ultra-orthodox are not serving the army so when Israel was founded and the first prime minister of Israel Ben Gurion was was working on uh, uh, uniting all the Jews in Israel um, he had the community he had the ultra-orthodox community he wanted part of the Israeli society he, they're Jews, he wanted them part of the Israeli state. So he had to do some negotiations with the ultra-Orthodox community. The ultra-Orthodox community said, We're not, we don't want to serve in the army. And he, in order for them to agree for this Jewish state to happen and be part of the Jewish state, Ben Gurion was, will, will, was willing to go forward with this and say, okay, fine. Anybody who declares that they're learning their Torah is their art, it's called Torahtam Omanutam, that their Torah is their art. It means that they need to be in study in yeshiva, and they cannot go out to work, and they don't go to the army, because that's their profession. Their profession is to study Torah. And over the years, there's been a lot of debate about this issue, because if you're, if we go back to what I was saying before, about having people 
you know, united. So you're saying, okay, there's, you know, Israel is united, but only the secular slash uh, religious Zionists are united. And the ultra-Orthodox are not part of this story. They're not united under the Israeli narrative uh, or the Israeli building of the country, fighting, so forth. But they see, actually, their studying of the Torah as part of the fight for Israel. They believe, and many of us believe too, that studying the Torah is something good and it will protect us with God's help. It will protect us in the Israeli wars and the Israeli uh, uh, defense force. And people are very against it. There has been a lot of debate about uh, this issue. Um, governments have risen and fell, fallen uh, because of this issue. And there's always been a debate also in the uh, court system about this, in the Supreme Court system. Is this even uh, legal? Because it's mandatory to be, uh, to, to be recruited to the army. And I think that it's the wrong way to look at things. Because we as a society, not the ultra-Orthodox community, the religious Zionist Orthodox community, and the secular community, we have to worry about ourselves. We have to worry about, should we, are we having, uh, uh, um, going, are, we, are we involved enough in, uh, in, in the army, in the recruitment of, of our kids and ourselves into the army? Unfortunately, too many of us, too many of us find a way to be dismissed from uh, military uh, reserve, from uh, mil military uh, service. And it gets to a situation where only 1% of Israelis go to the reserve duty. So the question is, do we really need more people in the army? Or what is the sole purpose of getting more people recruited to the army? Do we really need these people? And is their job an important job in society, the fact that they're learning Torah? So this is one of the questions that we deal with so much in Israel and talk about a lot. Another, um, another um, group of people that don't get recruited are the uh, Muslims, the Israeli Muslims. They do not go, uh, they do not get recruited to the army. In a positive note, there's been over the last few years more and more Muslim Israelis and more and more ultra-Orthodox Israelis that have been recruited into the army, that have volunteered to serve in the army. And obviously we have the Jewish community which are very involved in the Israeli society and they, as a whole, do get recruited to the, um, to the IDF. So actually we have an army here which is very interesting. We have an army built out of Jews, and with Muslims and Druze and other minorities, some Christians, and they uh, get recruited to the army. And they we have a we have a very diverse army. I believe one of the first Druze people I've ever met in my life was a commander with me in the army in the tank corps. He was Druze, and he um, um, was serving with me. Now, let's talk about this disturbing notion of people that have 
decided to to stain the IDF and and uh, this organization is called Shavrum Shtika. It's a group of ex-soldiers from the IDF that decided to go on a mission to show how bad all the bad things that the IDF does in this horrific situation with the Palestinians. Now, we could get into the Palestinian issue, but let's talk, let's talk about the army, like we're doing until now. The army is not an easy place to live, to be. It's not a place where people go to get massages. It's a place where people go to learn how to kill other people. That is the sole purpose of an army. That's their goal, to protect the civilians and to make sure that the bad guys don't get ahead and kill civilians. Now, this organization is, like I said, or um, ex-soldiers from the IDF that go around and tell what all the bad things they've done um, or they've seen happen while they're serving in the IDF. Now, let's say there's a sentence in Hebrew that says, don't judge a person until you get to their place. It is very hard to understand what it is to be in the Israeli army until you're there. It's being, it's living in an impossible situation where civilians become soldiers, where soldiers become civilians, where civilians are protecting soldiers, um, and so forth. And it's very hard to differentiate between sometimes between the good and the bad, between the right and the wrong. It's almost an impossible place. I don't want to uh, wish any of you to be in a situation like that. But it happens and these soldiers go out and say, oh, we were in this in Hebron and we saw some soldier, you know, beat up Palestinian soldier, a Palestinian kid. Or we've seen, uh, I don't know, somebody uh, do something unethical, uh, so forth or so, whatever it is. Now, I went on one of these tours with these soldiers and explained what he went through in the IDF and so forth, and things that, he's, that he did. And I want to tell you that when I asked him a very simple question, I said, is this what you did? First of all, what you did was horrible. And you should go to jail for what you did, because it's wrong. Second of all, is do you think this is the army's um, policy to go around and beating up little kids? Have you ever heard one of your commanders saying you should go up and beat up a little kid? Or was this because you were in a bad situation and you didn't know how to cope with it, so you did something wrong? Do you know about any policy in the army saying that you should be unethical? Or have you heard about other uh, circumstances where the, where the army actually puts its, its own soldiers in jail for unethical activity? So, first of all, don't be in these situations. And second of all, it's because it's a very, it's a very hard uh, situation to be in. But if you're in an impossible situation, you cannot judge that person in his, in his situation. And if somebody does something bad in that situation, then they should be judged and some put in jail for what they're, what they're doing. But it's never has been the Israeli policy 
to um, execute um, people in the field. Uh, it's never been the army policy to, um, I don't know, beat up people. It's never been Israeli policy to be unethical. The opposite is the truth. One of the main things we learn when we recruit to the army is something called Tor Aneshek, which is the cleanliness of your gun. Making sure that your weapon is as clean and as pure as it can be. So, this is one thing that, that uh, we deal with in the IDF, dealing with uh, people that are coming to say about bad things about the, about the IDF. And unfortunately, there are bad people and they do bad things. And some of them, because they're in an impossible situation to differentiate between the good and the bad. But a lot of them, but as a policy, there's no policy to be unethical in the Israeli army, period. Anybody who says anything different has never served in the Israeli army. End of story. So, then the question is about the the question is, do we need an army? Well, the, the, the simple answer is very obviously, of course, we do need an army. Because without an army, like Golda Meir said, uh, the, the only woman prime minister of Israel, the day the Israelis, the day the, the Arabs put down their guns, there will be peace. The day the Israelis will put down their guns, there will be no more Israel. So we need an army, and it's very important that we keep our army. But we also have to remember, we have to remember that during these, these days, especially during these days, after the Holocaust day, and after the um, Israeli Remembrance Day for the soldiers, and especially after the day of independence, is remember why we're here. I think a lot of people tend to forget why we are, at the end of the day, um, why, we, why, why we can exist as a country. And a lot of it is because we have an, a humane and moral IDF. We have to remember that if we had the IDF, if we had Israel um, 70, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, there wouldn't be a Holocaust. Millions of lives would be saved if Israel existed 80 years ago. And unfortunately, because Israel has not, uh, did not exist uh, 80 years ago, we've had millions of casualties in World War II. So, if I have to sum up this podcast, I would say, Let's remember why we're here. It's easy to forget. It's easy to have criticism about Israel. It's easy to criticize the IDF. It's easy to look at the bad things and say, oh, this is the situation. Look how, look at what we've done. Look how bad we are. Look how, you know, the government's acting. Look at the prime minister, look at this. But let's remember what it was like 
for thousands of years, for close to 2,000 years, when we didn't have Israel. We had persecution. We had lynches. We had uh, anti-Semitism with endless amount of anti-Semitism. And to top it off, we had World War II. And all of this is because we didn't have the state of Israel. And we did not have the IDF to protect us. So especially in this day, I know it's very easy. And we will talk a lot about criticism, criticism about Israel, the, the toughness of living here, about economy, about politics. We'll talk about all that. We have a whole 364 days a year to talk about that. But today, on Independence Day, let's remember that we're here for a good cause. See you next time on the Why 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 Show. This is Joseph Candiati.